0: the message today. Let's begin here. Did you know that we are living between two gardens? Not geographically, as if you look around, but chronologically, historically, biblically. This is the story that we find ourselves in. All humanity has been living between two gardens from the beginning. Well, from the moment that Adam and Eve left that first garden that God created Genesis 1 and 2. His picture, his Eden, his perfect expression of what was in his, in his being to create and to fill with life was pictured in a garden. And then the final promise, we have the final picture from Revelation 22 is, is garden number two, a garden within a city this time. We need a city because there are an infinite, seemingly infinite number of peoples from every tribe, tongue, and nation living in this city together with God as, as the source of life and light to the city. And there's a garden in this city with a river that flows down the center and on both sides of the river are trees of life. You may remember that in the first garden, there was one tree of life. And in in this picture, it is expanded, it has multiplied, and there are trees of life bringing life forever for all peoples. That's the picture given in Revelation 22. So considering that, all humanity, and us included, are still living between two gardens for the time being in a relatively harsh environment, wouldn't you say? Desert and drought, rocky soil and thorns, thistles, and maybe a flood or two to fit the analogy for our area. And that's why the picture that Jesus paints in this parable in Mark chapter 4, which we began to look at last week, is so vital, life-giving, and powerful for us to apply and to receive and to resonate with. I teased last week that This parable, perhaps more than any other, has inspired our vision and our values, has helped give language to them as a community, and has become really emblematic of our hope and our prayers. Jesus said last week that if we, essentially, if we don't understand this parable, we can't possibly understand all of his teaching. There's something critical in grasping the core of this parable message. Now, from beginning to end, the Bible is full of imagery and metaphors on gardens and growing, pruning and cultivating, harvesting and winnowing roots and fruit. And that shouldn't be all that surprising if we would consider some of the context to the economy and the culture in those ancient times was often very agrarian to live and survive. You must have an ability to farm or to plant your own gardens and to cultivate, and, and that was a very common thing. But God God is the one who has the green thumb from the beginning, who has the beauty of creation and diversity that instills within all living things the ability to multiply and to reproduce and sometimes abundantly. That's the character of God. And we believe as a church that these kinds of metaphors, be they ancient, are still very tangible and meaningful for us today. So whether or not you like Gardening or have your own garden, uh, we definitely like the concept and we are the recipients of the blessing of others who can farm and garden, whether you are acutely aware of that or not. Maybe you just go to the grocery store to receive your produce, but there's a little more to it than that before it gets to your place. Forget grocery store, your Amazon fresh deliveries that show up in, on your doorstep. By the way, we are planning to plant a much larger garden than we did last year, a real garden this time, not not rocks and not figurative, but a real garden in this lower field area. And you'll be hearing more about that from Miss Jenna and a team that's coming together. We would love to see that concept, which many engaged in last year, just to start planting some, some mini gardens to see that even grow and flourish, emblematic of our desire to see all things multiply and grow and flourish, to redeem all things and use all spaces that we have and all resources that we have been given. So be looking forward to that in the next few weeks, as believe it or not, spring is just three weeks away. Uh, The weather, yes, here's your meteorological update. The weather will battle. It always happens in March, right? This battle between spring and winter, and it often seems like winter wins for a time, and then spring will push that out. We all have hope. Two weeks to daylight savings. Two weeks to 7 p.m. sunsets. Can I have an amen? Okay. Yeah. This picture of who we want to be as a faith community, we want to help create and cultivate a greenhouse-like environment. Hopefully, this is a refresher for many. Maybe it's it's new. It's been a little while since I've refreshed this vision. What is a greenhouse-like environment, what does that even mean? It recognizes that in the midst of a harsh climate or season or rocky soil or we often find ourselves planted in, a need for a greenhouse, what a greenhouse can do to create a place to grow new shoots and deep roots to be prepared for the diverse fruit that we want to see born into our life using metaphors and imagery from the scriptures and from right here in Mark chapter 4. This is who we want to become. This is the picture that we we want to see ourselves as a community. a A healthy, relatively safe, nutritious, so to speak, place to prepare to grow deeply in God that we might be ready for the fields he's planting us into. Because harvest happens, multiplication happens outside of the greenhouse. The greenhouse is a place to begin. The fields are the place to multiply. And so that's some of the picture to press in on that, or to till that out a little bit more, to help all people come to be field ready for whatever field that God is going to send them into. And we are praying for a hundredfold harvest, a, a multiplication of of all that we are as individuals and as a community to multiply a hundredfold, and that comes right from Mark four verse twenty. The seed, this is Jesus, the seed that was sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word of God, accept it, and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, even a hundredfold. We can't determine the, the multiplication. That's up to God. But he is a God who loves to multiply. And so our prayer is for the most. It's the most multiplication, the hundred-fold, that a hundred times our efforts will be realized unto the glory of God. That is part of the vision. So what does a healthy, growing, fruit-bearing, multiplying church look like? It must be full of healthy, growing, fruit-bearing, multiplying people, which is all of us and so many more that are engaging in this community one way or another. It might be said this way: a greenhouse with no plants is lifeless, it's just a shed. So we need to be growing personally. Jesus' parable here indicates that we are like the soil, ready to receive God's word and to grow, to bear fruit and to multiply. Some soil has been prepared and received and tilled and is, is good, so to speak. Other soil has been hardened is resistant to any kind of seed germinating or, or having growth, and then anything in between those kinds of soils. That's what we looked at in a little more detail last week. There's other metaphors in the scripture. Even Jesus himself uses metaphors that would say, we are like the plants that grow too. So which is it? Because he is the vine, we are the branches. A good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. So which is it? The soil or the plant We know we can't press metaphors and analogies quite to that degree, but is it not true that the only life-giving plant is really one with the soil? The roots are one with the organic nature of the soil. They are what bring it life. And so we can find our place in both analogy without trying to make rigid edges to define it but be comfortable in, and that's the beauty as we looked at last week of parables is there's really no end to how much we can press into it and find ourselves in the story and, who, and reveal who God is in new and creative ways. I'd like to suggest four, four markers of a, a healthy, growing, disciple, follower of Jesus with this same kind of imagery. And we've used this as both an indication for the of. And the health that we would have as individuals. And then for what that would mean for our community. Number one. Planted. Are you planted? First in Jesus. Second in community. Planted in Jesus is just beginning to follow him. Beginning to receive his word. That's all it takes. You don't even have to believe yet. You don't even have to know what you believe yet. To be pl- become planted and start growing in Jesus. I preached a sermon with that title a number of weeks ago. You don't have to believe before following Jesus. It's very evident in this story of the Gospel of Mark. So many are coming to follow him and are completely uncertain what they think about him or know about him. Even the disciples are coming to believe and then have massive doubts. And that, that trend continues So being in a place that simply receives the word of God, starts to hear it and want to respond to it is part of becoming planted and then with the hope that we would grow deeper roots. Second is being planted into community with one another. Ultimately, when you read the story of God, you find a people always. And yes, faith is personal, but it's not meant to be individual. And ultimately, you cannot follow Jesus without being in community with others. It's just not what we were created for. Even God himself, as we struggle to understand him in the concept of being three in one, Trinity, being God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as one God, which obviously stretches our capacities. But God in himself has some sense of full community, And we are created as his image bearers. We are meant for one another. And I think we deeply know that. And so whatever that community looks like, it doesn't have to take traditional forms to be an authentic community of followers of Jesus, but it must be done with others in community. Are you planted in that kind of a place? You are here today or you're tuning in with us. It's a start, but it's only a start. This right now is not very communal. Even if we are together under some tents, experiencing the same environment. Community happens as we go and do life together, as we break bread together, as we serve one another and serve with others to bless and to encourage. That's where community is truly built. Are you planted? That's number one. Number two, are you growing? Because while you don't have to yet Believe in Jesus. You don't have to yet grow to start following him. It must start to come next. Roots must go down, according to this parable. They start shallow, they always do, but they must grow deep to prepare the health for the fruit that is coming or that God desires to bring into our life. Most of us here aren't just beginning to follow Jesus, we have been attempting to for years. How deep are those roots? We looked at the soil that might still be full of thorns within us and made those parallels last week. We do still need to do some weeding. We also need to do some replanting and planting of more of God's word in our life to push out the thorns and thistles that might also want to grow. So new shoots, when we say new shoots, obviously that is new life in Jesus. Our mission, the way we would articulate it is we must help all people's find new life in Jesus and grow to bear fruit for him. It's obvious that first new shoot that comes out of a seed, and we can all probably think of time-lapse videos that we've seen of a seed germinating and growing. If you haven't, look them up. There's many. And it's a beautiful picture of a struggling new life to grow and develop and thrive. But it's not only that. For those that have followed Jesus for many seasons, we still need new shoots, new growth as the springtime comes. A plant that can look dead one moment can have life and beauty in the next. The magnolias, are the magnolias blooming yet? Are we close? You've got one in your front yard. They're they're soon to come. They're one of the first trees that looks dead to push out bright white flowers before the leaves even follow. And so the beauty of something that is looking like dead to come to new life and new shoots as we come into the spring is or into a new season is often what we need. I think it's obvious that we are safe to say that we have all endured a winter in more ways than one. And I believe that God is using the winter and always does to prepare for new life and new growth. And around here, the reason our trees are so large, those roots are growing year-round Even in the winter, to prepare for the new shoots, the new life, the new growth that is about to come. You could look at some roots if somehow we could get a cross section of the root structure of a plant or a tree. You could stare at it all day long and see no change. Once again, you'd need some time lapse video to see the movement over the course of weeks and even months. It's incremental and it's often very slow. I wish it was much faster. I wish spiritual growth was fast and easy, but it's not. It's often daily rhythms that ultimately over time grow us deeply, which is part of my conviction to the the daily walking challenge or rhythm. It's It's a centering place. It's a slowing down place. And it's something to do daily to walk and to move because I believe the road is long for us. And daily movement and daily centering is vital to a journey. Mixing metaphors for you. But I do invite you to follow along if that would be encouraging. You can go to YouTube. I know if you don't know how to do that, you should by now anyway. So it's a good education. Go to YouTube, search 2021 Steps. Hit the filter for channel because a lot of other videos will, will come up. But if you hit the channel filter, 2021 steps, it will be the first channel that pops up. And you could subscribe to that and daily three to four minute videos as I'm walking through the story of a walking people in Exodus telling the weather and also praying the Lord's prayer. So just simple rhythm. Sometimes spiritual growth is simpler than we think, but must be consistent and regular as we are journeying just like the growth we would like to see in our own lives. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 4, 15, we are to grow up in every way into Christ who is the head. We are always meant to be growing. An apple tree, for example, starts out as a new little shoot, becomes a sapling, likely won't bear any fruit for at least five seasons because it needs the roots to grow deep to, and, the, and the stalks and the branches to be able to bear the weight of the fruit. But it doesn't, it's never not an apple tree. It's an apple tree from germination. It just needs to go through the process of growth. And maybe we are in a different kind of season, a preparatory one. We want to believe that. We need to believe that. The God is the God who is still growing our roots to prepare for the coming season. That's number two. So planted, growing, growing. Number three is then bearing fruit. Healthy things will bear fruit. There's an analogy and a metaphor that Jesus gives a number of times. We will recognize health by the fruit that is born in the life of of the the plant or as it parallels to the life of people. Healthy things will take root, grow, and bear fruit. Jesus says in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. May it be diverse fruit that we want to see in our lives and ultimately to bless others. The source of the fruit is always God. He is the giver. He is the one that brings it. If we focus on the fruit, it likely won't develop. Our work is to focus on the growth, the deep roots, The health in the word of God, the promises of God, and in the community with God and with one another, walking with him, that's the focus. The fruit will come. The fruit is his to bring in great diversity. Luke 12, 48, everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. God desires to give good gifts to his children. He desires that we would bear fruit. Oftentimes in our super abundant culture, We think the fruit that we have to offer is often financial, is our our treasures. We can give to something. We we have produced and created, and now we can give to bless others. And while we are meant to be stewards and meant to be generous, the diversity of fruit that God wants to bring spiritually into our lives is far more than that. The fruit of the Spirit enriches not only our own life, but others. Galatians chapter 5, for the full list of the fruit of the Spirit which isn't always tangible, but in expression, enriches life. Health and strength and capacity are, are fruit that we have to offer, that God brings and gives in different measures at different times. Wisdom and knowledge, intelligence and skills, learned, developed, given. Possessions and provisions our gifting, our talents, abilities, that are sometimes hard to discern what is truly just God-given or what is cultivated with that ability and time and discipline. Giving of our time may be one of the hardest things we have to do when it feels like we have so little, though we've all been given the same amount, to spend time, to bless, to encourage, to give. So, then, that's just even a, a small start to a list of the kinds of diverse fruit that God wants to bring in and through us that we would bear to share. 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, he should use it to serve others as good stewards of God's varied grace. God is not limited in what he will grow in us to bless others, to bless his people. Hebrews 10.24, let us consider how we might stir one another up to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near, as we have hope for the future, to encourage, to build up, to bless. This is fruit being born to serve and to give to others. May we not give up zooming together, though it is wearying, is it not? And there is a day to come when that will simply be an option. Praise God for that. Here's current opportunities to see fruit born in our life to serve others. That We as a community are having uh, the privilege to do food talks on Fridays. The ongoing work of our mercy team, which is extending into so many ways that you, you can't truly even know because some of them are very sensitive situations. But you could draw near to the mercy team to encouragement and to ask for ways to help to partner with bearing fruit and sharing with others. As John again reminded us of a community in crisis, which is often hard to see. I I invite you to draw near for greater ways to pray, to serve, to walk, to enter into those places, to have eyes open. And those are just a few. There's so many more and you be creative. In the ways you are striving to see the fruit that God is growing in you to bless others. Last one, number four. So planted, growing, bearing. And I hope you're doing some sense of personal inventory as you walk through this. And there's always, hopefully, there's ways to see each one in our lives. And then see room for growth in each one. And maybe God will speak or reveal one specific thing to apply. And to walk in. And to to engage in his character more consistently in the coming days. Number four is multiplication. Healthy things multiply. That's what God instills in all things. It's actually who he is. It's the superfluous nature of God. I don't know that he can do any other out of his character. And I think to demonstrate that from what scientists, astronomers know and understand about our universe is that it is, they they would describe it as infinite and expanding. That's the best they can do to, to grasp this thing that is the universe, that, that the light that we see every night from these things we call stars ha- has, has existed longer than any human history has even known. That light that is now coming to us blinked out. I won't even give a, a time frame because that, that is a, a, an incredibly massive concept. If that is true that our universe is expanding in nature forever, and this is a representation of the God who put it into motion, then everything that God under that creates seems to rightly indicate that the only thing he can do is to the abundance. Case in point, when Jesus fed the thousands of people, the God who knew there were 4,000 people on that hillside that needed to eat knew how much they needed to eat. And yet after every one, what happens? Collect up the leftovers. After everyone ate as much as they possibly could and stuffed their their coats and bags to take it home, collect the leftovers. Why did God have a waste in that sense? It's almost as if he couldn't do any other. And I think we'll see that multiplication theme throughout Scripture from one of the very first commands he gives to humanity. Be fruitful and multiply. God loves to take the small things and make them big things. The mustard seed, which is a very small seed, becomes one of the largest plants in the garden. Within an apple is a seed that not only has the potential for another tree, but for an orchard. Within a pine cone, a very small seed. I have this massive, massive cedar tree in my backyard, which wreaks havoc on my roof and patio. That those cones are some of the smallest of all. And within that cone is a seed that has the potential to create another 150 foot, 10 foot diameter tree. And then beyond that, a forest, if enough time is given. God puts a latency of multiplication within everything that he creates. It's who he is. And when we talk about multiplication as a people, the fruit we want to see born is primarily others Others, followers of Jesus, that others would come as citizens of the kingdom and come to know his eternal love for them, purpose for them, and redemption and healing that he wants to bring. That's what we are intending to be faithful to and be fruitful and multiply, not just biologically, but spiritually. And again, it's up to God, the extent of that multiplication, whether it be 30, 60, or a hundredfold, and we pray for the hundredfold. Multiplication happens primarily in the fields, not in the greenhouse. God wants to replant us into fields. I hope you see the that there are also a number of different fields and fields. And here is four more. So this four point sermon just became eight, with great groaning. These are very quick. Where do you live, work, learn? And play four things, four fields that you are likely already planted in it is time in times God does uproot us completely and move us to a whole different place or community from Monroe to middle south Africa and that is up to him to do and we we both grieve the the distance, the change in relationship that that creates, but also celebrate that God moves us into communities and places for mission, but we are also already already planted in at least those four kinds of fields. Where do you live and who with your family, your neighborhood? Where do you work or make, make money or give the most of your time if you happen to be retired? Where do you learn? What is your learning community? Some are still actively in school, but all of us have learning communities or should be looking to continue to grow in all ways. My learning community is often my desk, my study, or my living room but I'm also learning with others too in an informal way, but hopefully a progressive way. Where do you live, work, learn, and play? Maybe a little bit harder these days, but where do you have hobbies or recreation that put you into other contexts with other peoples? Simply consider those four. I have personal examples, and by the look of your face, I'm not going to give them today. But I've reflected on those four fields and there are active ways that I'm trying to be present and really asking just two questions because it can take a long time to see fruit born and multiplication happen in life. It's relational. How can I welcome? And that includes seeing, listening, being present. And how can I serve? Is there an opportunity to do more, to give more? And you might end up at one of your HOA meetings and then become the president three years later. So things happen when you become present, ask, how can I welcome? And is there something I can do to serve? But God will expand our fields and our vision ultimately for the fields he has already planted us in. If we resonate with his heart of multiplication, his desire to send his people to represent him, he returned to heaven, sent the spirit through his people to multiply in a way that one person on earth could never do. And so it is better, he says, that we would have the spirit and be multiplication agents, ambassadors, representatives. It'd be, it's better that way than him remaining on earth. And so do we believe it and will we walk with him into those places? Let's wrap this up. Let's finish with Jesus' question. Verse 13. He said to the disciples, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? How will you understand all of my teaching? And if our answer is, I get it. I understand it. And I think he means for us to understand it. I believe the follow-up question he would give is, then live it. Because if you can't live it, you don't truly understand it or believe it. We are meant to live out this faith We're meant to be planted in Christ and in community. We are meant to be growing deep roots always to prepare for the fruit that he wants to bring into our life, to bear and share with others, and to see that multiplied 30, 60, or a hundredfold. This is the kind of community that we're praying for, hoping to become and to invite others into. So help us, Lord. Help us not only see, but perceive. Help us not only hear, but understand. Help us turn in repentance and be forgiven. Help us extend this grace to all peoples that they might find new life in Jesus and grow to bear fruit for you. And help us put your words daily into action. Amen.